Well, we're still here, so let's talk about it. I want to share with you something I've begun. I've been volunteering with a local hospice here in my town. I have signed up to be what's called an 11th hour volunteer. I've been hearing a lot about 11th hour lately. What I really like about it is the idea that there are volunteers who are willing to sit with someone who is imminently dying so that they do not die alone. I read one of my favorite nurses' articles the other day about 11th hour as well. I didn't realize the impact this RN has on me and has had on me through the years before I ever even knew her name. It went all the way back to when my mother was on hospice. Somebody gave me a booklet. It was called Gone From My Sight. The somebody that gave me that booklet was the hospice nurse who was taking care of my mom. Barbara Carnes is her name. I've mentioned her before, and I will probably mention her a lot because of this impact that she's had on my life, but continues to impact me today and into the future. I attended this 11th hour training, and while I knew the basics, which I just shared with you, I did not think about some other pieces that I want to share because I feel like it's my desire to inform you so that you can be informed and then share this information with people you think need to hear it. So, 11th hour. During the training, we were advised that family members would likely be there, that we would rarely be alone with the patient. There would be a family member who was in desperate need of respite or shower There would be another nurse there taking care of matters, dealing with the patient's care. I've been a little nervous, but excited about jumping into this form of volunteering. I have sat at the bedside of people who were imminently dying. I have seen the stages of dying into death. I have seen more than one person take their last breath but I knew those people. This is going to be different for me. Can I do it? Can I guide and coach the family members into what is happening to the body as it begins the work or labor of dying? Barbara Carnes refers to this often, and I mentioned it before. Women labor to give birth to their children. Every human labors to prepare their body for dying. The breathing changes, the heart rate changes, the skin changes, their alertness changes. So many things happen, sometimes weeks before the actual end of life. When we're talking about the 11th hour, it usually means the person has been determined to be within hours or even minutes of the end of their life. I really developed a tremendous amount of respect for hospice and what they do. When I was watching them care for my mother, my dad, some other family members, some pretty close to me, some not so close. But what was consistent was this tremendous amount of care, concern, patience, 
love, gentleness, and comfort that these providers gave us as the family, but also to the patients. Now it's going to be my turn, not as a medical provider at all, simply someone to hold a hand, place a washcloth on a forehead, stroke the hair, whisper softly, but also respond to questions from the family members who can be in any unknown stage of grief at the time of my arrival. The shift is short, but could be longer if I desire. It could come at 3 a.m. It could come at 2 p.m. I could be on the way there and then learn that the patient has already passed on. This is a huge unknown area for me. I'm eager to help in this way. It is something I have wanted to do for a long time, not because I think I'm an expert, but because of the wonderful gift it was for me to be sitting at my mother's bedside and the bedside of other people as well. I want to be able to be that gentleness, that comforting, even maybe knowledgeable voice or no voice at all. But to be able to share what I have learned with people who have never seen death happen before them. That's a big task. And I don't take it lightly. I want to be there for people in need. And maybe they won't even be sitting there because they'll be getting a long-needed nap. Perhaps run an errand that has been long overdue. Take a shower. Maybe it's been days since they've been able to do so. To be able to help in this way to me is of utmost importance. I'm going to push past the nervousness that I'm feeling. It's not even unease. It is simply, I don't know what I'm walking into. And I will tell you, very few hospice professionals know exactly what they're walking into, no matter how much information they have in the patient's chart. They do it anyway, because their goal, their objective, is so important to them. That's what I want to be, too. That person who is pursuing the objective of helping a family watch their loved one cross over, pass away, die, expire, whatever you want to use to describe the end of somebody's life. It is for you to choose. I just hope that you will learn, like I did, by the book, Gone From My Sight, or any of the other materials that hospices are so gracious to provide for families. The explanations, the hand-holding that they give us as family members when we don't know why mom hasn't eaten in three days and then all of a sudden she wants chicken. <laughs> to, uh, to have experienced that or someone who had been under hospice care for a while, we were told that their death was imminent. And by the time many of us arrived, that family member wanted ice cream or enchiladas. <laughs> And it was such a fond memory because that family member didn't die that day. As a matter of fact, it was several months 
before the end of that person's life. So what does that mean? That means the body dies when the body is ready. Sometimes people who are dying wait for that phone call, visit from that person to hear or say those words that that have gone long unsaid. We can't really control it. The person can for a while, but eventually death takes over. These are the kinds of things I feel compelled to participate in with others. I don't know why. I keep coming back to helping people who are dying or who have questions about the end of their life or worry about forgiving somebody that they needed to forgive long ago and don't want to die unless it's done. I talk to those people who have fear or their own nervousness about the end of life and whether their family members are aware of what they want. For whatever reason, I am in this space and I'm going to fill it as much as I can to help people feel at peace to the extent that they can in the midst of losing somebody that they care about. I hope that you'll think of me once in a while, 3 a.m., wondering if I've been out on a call. It is not my intent or desire to share the stories with you that I experience doing this work. I don't volunteer to do this as material for this show. However, some of that will be imprinted on my mind and in my heart, and I won't be able to stop at least relating some of the feelings around it. I'm grateful to be in this position to be helpful this way. I really, really hope that I am helpful and that people just feel a little bit better about their loved one's passing. It's important to me. And now I want to just share it with you. That's really all I have to say today. If you ever get that book gone from my sight, chances are it's because somebody has given it to you to read about someone you love being ready to die. I ask you to read that book and I ask you to try to not be afraid, but to inform yourself around this topic so that when you see the phases, you'll be prepared. And a lot of those fears can be reduced. That's my hope for you. Bye for now. Thanks for listening today. You can go to my website for more articles, little news pieces, or a transcript of this podcast. The website is whilewe'restillhere.com. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can send me an email too. Thanks again, and until next time, take care.